spending on musculoskeletal claims is a key driver of claim spend. Are there new ways to provide better patient experience while simultaneously decreasing costs? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. You know, we've spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about pharmacy and the ginormous part of claim spend, of healthcare spend that pharmacy represents and how it's growing. But there's been a section of spend even way back, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth when I was a TPA. That was as big then as pharmacy is now, and it's still as big, and it's growing, but we don't talk about it a lot, and that's musculoskeletal claims. And there are a number of reasons we don't talk about it, but a lot of it is because, you know, we see pill data right away, but somebody who's got a problem with their back or a knee or whatever, and until they get to the point where somebody says, hey, you need surgery, and then it's a $70,000 claim, we haven't really done a whole lot about it either. And so we invited Melissa Gill DPT. She's the owner of and CEO of Onsite Solutions. And Melissa's company is doing some really interesting things with delivering physical therapy to the patients where they are, to the members where they are. But also, she's got a really keen insight because she's drilled down into where these claims are coming from and how we might be able to prevent them. So with that, welcome, Melissa. Thanks for being here. Thanks, David. I'm really happy to be here today and really share information I'm passionate about, which is having people that work hard feel as good as when they went into work as when they leave work. So it's really important to me. Well, and that's great. So let's let's talk about it. Let's level set. Tell us the scope of the problem. I mean, I alluded to it in the open that it, in some quarters, it's as big a spend as pharma. Tell me what you're seeing and, and maybe even stratify it a little bit because you guys, we'll talk about this a little later, but you guys do a great job with data. Well, right. And if we wanted to take that big picture view 2019, the Department of Labor, their statistics show that $171 trillion was being spent on work-related injuries, right? And of that, that kind of equates to $1,100 per worker, okay? So if you think about $1,100 per worker, that's the average cost of some type of claim that's happened at work, right? Now, even though musculoskeletal is high, how high is that? It's about a third of those claims are related to musculoskeletal issues. And historically, I think that we've seen that as a problem, but there really hasn't been a good solution. I've seen over the years, nurse lines, nurse triage lines, and a lot of the companies we work with, they didn't know what else to use, so they have a nurse calling line. And it's not that those are are not helpful, but you have to go to the medical person or the person that's got the most amount of knowledge about the musculoskeletal system. 
the muscles, the tendons, the bones, the ligaments, everything that makes our body move. And physical therapists, they have been trained in, are the experts in the musculoskeletal system. So now why nurse call-in lines became such a big thing, I'm not sure. Because if you understand what the medical community, what everybody knows, nurses are great. They know a lot about a lot of things. But again, physical therapists are very specific. And I really, I put some of the blame on us physical therapists. I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years because we've always saw ourselves as the healthcare provider people see once they've been injured, right? Like you mentioned, I hurt my back. Maybe I see a doctor then. Maybe I'll go to the physical therapist or, you know, I've had a surgery or I don't want to have surgery. And we've traditionally been seen as after an injury occurs. And I think what we need to do as physical therapists is educate that we can be preventative as well. We can see somebody do something like, for example, if I'm working on a construction site and I'm walking in the construction area, a lot of times I'll, I'll be with like a safety professional that understands construction, right? And if we're walking that site and I'm seeing an electrician and he's pulling wires and he's pulling above head and I'm looking at that thinking, wow, that's really going to shave that rotator cuff, right? I'm seeing the body and I'm seeing the damage that's the potential of that person doing that job, that task in that position. I have a unique ability to talk to that employee and say, hey, when you're pulling wire from the ceiling as an electrician, can you just relax your shoulder? Can you switch hands? Can you change that position of what you're doing so you can decrease the risk of an injury occurring later on? And a lot of times what they'll say is, well, my shoulder does hurt or my neck does hurt. Thanks for letting me know if there's something I can do. And so physical therapists have that unique ability to flip it and be preventative and be that first line of defense for the highest claims, which are the musculoskeletal claims. So I think that's really important to start with. As an industry, we've done a lot of preventive work in other areas. Diabetes immediately comes to mind. And I know the Asheville Project was a number of years ago and whatnot, and they had kind of a head start. But this musculoskeletal thing, as I said, has been causing huge claims even way back when I was at TPA, and that was, you know, 98, 99. So nothing's really changed. Why do you think there has not been the emphasis on preventive with physical therapy, but mostly on after the fact? Well, I think because, again, I put it on us physical therapists. I put it on us sitting back and not coming forward to say, hey, we're the people, we're the medical professionals that know how to fix that ache or pain, sprain or strain. We're the people that need to get in there early. And as soon as we start having those conversations, then people are like, well, yeah, if I had an ache or a pain or sprained an ankle, you know, I would go see a physical therapist or maybe I would bypass the doctor to see a physical therapist. So I think it really lands on physical therapists as a whole, not educating. Secondly, it takes a really different type of physical therapist to want to go on a job site, to want to go to a manufacturing company, to want to go in a building where there's a bunch of people at desks and try to, you know, fix those ergonomic issues. But it takes a different type of personality. It takes a different type of mentality to really want to relate to that laborer that's maybe making minimum wage, digging ditches. How do you relate to them and impact change so they save their own body? That's where it's got to start from. And I think, again, physical therapists have always been like after the fact. It's time that we come forward and say, you know what? This is a huge problem. We are the solution. Let us relate to those employees to make change and make it a difference. 
and you will see the numbers decrease. You will see the costs decrease. Those things happen. If it didn't happen and we didn't have an ROI, you know, we wouldn't continue to do this type of work. But it ends up being very rewarding to prevent an injury from happening. So on-site, I was going to simply ask the question earlier on, why on-site? But I guess on-site is where you can be proactive because you can see things as they're happening rather than waiting for an injury to present? Exactly. And the other thing that happens is that we build a relationship and build a rapport. So when you're walking a construction site, again, you got to have a physical therapist that wants to wear you know, a hard hat, put on steel toe boots, have the, the weather issues, that is passionate enough about helping people to do all of that. Maybe it's four o'clock in the morning, maybe it's 10 o'clock at night. This is the things that happen. But you have to have somebody passionate enough to really relate to those employees. So when we're, again, getting to know people, walking the job site, the magic happens when somebody says, well, yeah, my shoulder is kind of bugging me. I probably wouldn't to go see you or I wouldn't seek you out. But since you're right here, I was just curious, like, if I'm playing softball and I have six games this weekend, how do I come back on Monday and not have a sore shoulder because I got to pull wire I know for this next week, or I have to be digging that ditch, or I have to be doing something with my body? And then we get to be truly preventative when people want to come forward before it's an issue. If somebody comes and says, I can't even raise my arm, it's like, then that's further down the road. We want the people that are like, kind of sort of feeling something, we're like, great, here's what you need to do to save your body. Here's the reasons why. And this is important for you. And then they they understand it. They trust us as those on-site people. Once they trust us, and then whatever we tell them to do, they do, and it works, they tell their buddy. And then it snowballs. And then you have a culture switch where that whole culture now is, we're all in this together, all of our bodies We can either do something to make them last as long as possible, or we can just complain about it and fall apart. Our company has given us this great resource to help us save our bodies. And then that's just a really positive impact. And then the culture starts to shift where people get it and they are trying to be healthier for themselves. And now a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. So when you talk about culture shifts, one of the shifts that's happened most recently is this whole phenomenon of working from home. It's just kind of exploded. Are you seeing different kinds of problems and how are you accessing those problems? Because it's not a job site now. And how are you helping folks deal with those problems? What are you seeing? So I think what we're seeing is still people are not going back to the office, right? And now they have this home office that was never set up to be a home office, right? And now it's been over a year. 
So now what we're dealing with is people have those aches and pains because they have been weird hours. They may be working longer days. They may not be moving from their spot. They just get it done because then they got to help their you know child with, with their homework or they got to do something else. So it was like what I noticed this last year, year and a half was it was a lot of intensity to the work where people would put their head down, just work and get it done. And they didn't get up and move. So first of all, so trying to get a lot done in a short amount of time, they don't get up from their chair and they don't move. Even if you have a perfect setup, you have a great chair, you have even a sit stand, everything's perfectly set up. Your body was meant to move. It was meant to move every 20, 20 minutes. That's really what we have to do but they get so intense and they get so stuck in what they're doing, people don't move. So then their bodies start to feel uncomfortable, aches and pains, and it's really hard to focus when you're in pain. And if they're at home, who are they going to ask? Who are they going to talk to? So I did see it as a lot of issues with the body. I also heard a lot of companies really concerned that their people working from home, the remote workers, were not as feeling as plugged in as part of the company. And I've been hearing a lot of people talk about how do we give access to things for everybody? If we're going to do desk ergonomics, how do we do that for everybody? And in my industry across the board, people have definitely switched to doing some virtual ergonomic assessments. So you can do that, like even as I see somebody across the screen, we could talk about how high their monitor is, if they're having wrist pain, neck pain, posture. So we can do some of that stuff virtually. But the trends have really been, how do we make sure our employees working from home have some ergonomics assessments and some accessibility to whatever people are getting in the office? It's trying to pull people together. So I chatted about this earlier. One of the things that I was impressed with, I kind of looked at your guys' dashboard. I'm a big data guy. I guess it comes from my years of being a TPA and trying to figure out what's going on with plans and whatnot. And I know you track a lot of indicators. What are some of the the key performance indicators that you guys track for your clients? That's a great question. It depends on the client. We really see ourselves as strategic partners. So we have to really look at, at each company quite differently. What are the challenges? I mean, I've seen a, a shift from, I've, I've had my company for almost 14 years. Originally, you, we only had clients that had really high sprain strain claims very clear ROI, get those claims down. We can look at the first report of injuries. We can look at the OSHA recordables. We can look at work comp claim numbers and dollars, very clear data. Mm-hmm. And we still track that if that's important to the company. But now what we're seeing is more and more employers are coming to us because it's a quality of life. They want to make sure that their employees are feeling as good as they can. So those indicators may be more closely related to culture, Safety, trust in the company, longevity of that employee staying with the company, that it's more of a cultural thing, trying to do the right thing for the employees. I'm seeing more of that now, right? So really those those KPIs are really dependent on what our clients are trying to address and fix and change. And then we, we take a look at those initially, quarterly and annually to make sure that we are partners with them on working on that data to getting where they're trying to get it. Are you finding a difference as, as self-funded plans have now kind of resurged? They've never gone away, but there's all kinds of folks finding ways to do them with ever smaller groups and, you know, that lower end of the mid-market and whatnot. Are you finding a big difference between the way people reacted on the workers' comp side versus what they're looking for and what they're reacting to on the core medical side? I've seen a switch in that as well. So thanks for asking that. I think, again, when I when I first started in this industry, 
if we're mostly just talking to risk and safety, either in the broker world, the insurer, or at the companies. And now we're getting HR to the table because now they're seeing benefits of, wow, if work comp goes down and they're using less spend of physical therapy that's more expensive on the open market, now we're tracking both HR data or, again, traditional physical therapy because we're doing it in-house, and we're tracking the work comp. So companies are getting more savvy, they're getting more data, saying, wow, maybe we don't have a lot of work comp claims, but we have a ton of people going to outpatient physical therapy for low back pain. Can we make it more effective and efficient to have it in-house so they can walk down the hall and get physical therapy instead of leaving work, going to the appointment, and then coming back to work? So I'm seeing it on both sides. I mean, on-site and near-site clinics have been a thing for quite some time, and it's the, the problem for a lot of, especially middle market employers, setting up an on-site clinic is that the, the cost is just more than they can they can bear. So taking it in bites by the things that are actually driving your claim spend seems to make an awful lot of sense. And I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but once you're on site and you're doing that kind of stuff, it also gives you the opportunity to use that vision that we were talking about before when you were alluding to an electrician pulling wires overhead. You can look around and go, well, okay, if we change this and we change that, we could head off these other claims that haven't happened yet, but I know they're going to. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. So what do you see most often? Is it still simple things like desk chairs and height of desks and height of keyboards and that kind of stuff? It's still the basics. It really is. Um, it's so interesting because it'll it'll never go away because people are very unaware of their body and what their body is doing in this space. If I were to say, David, please stand up and show me your good posture. The posture is going to be the least amount of stress on your spine, the least amount of stress on your joints. Doesn't that sound like a good thing to, to be in good posture, right? I would be hard-pressed to find many people that even knows what, know what that means. So if you don't know what good posture is in a good neutral position, how can you set yourself up for being in a position where you're going to have less stress and strain on your body? It's just, it's not going to happen. So part of what we want to do is impart what we know as physical therapists and not just tell them to move. And I could maybe say like, David, I want your shoulders to be back and your chin here because that's the neutral position of your neck. And now can you translate that to when you're sitting at your desk? Can you translate that to sitting in your car? Oh, your, you know, your seat's too far back in your car. You have to think about all those things. So we really want to educate people on how they can fix themselves but people, like I said, they're so body unaware. It's just even if I give cues, I almost have to put my hands on people sometimes. Shoulders are here and they still sometimes can't do it because some muscles are tight. Some muscles are weak. So they may get it, but it doesn't mean they can execute. And again, that's where stretching and strengthening and education come in. Speaking of education, is that something that you do on a, on a year long basis when you've got a client? And how does that translate into employee engagement? I would say that the employee engagement, our focus is really making sure that we're what is good for, we always say Joe, the truck driver. So very, very employee down to that lowest level employee, trying to be engaged and focused with them and speaking in a way that they understand. And the educational process is continual and it goes year after year. So we don't just talk about the low back once. We talk about the low back once and then we talk you know, about the anatomy. Then maybe we'll layer on neutral positions. Maybe we'll layer on how they do their job tasks to decrease you know, issues of their low back. So it's a, it's a continual process. And again, people need to be reminded even of the basics. 
And even like you were mentioning earlier, the basics are things that have to be continually fixed and changed because people's bodies change too. So maybe they got it when they were 30 and now they're 45 and they've gained a little weight in their belly and maybe they don't sleep well and they wake up with low back pain. Like so many factors change that most of the companies we start with or most of the employees we work with, we continue those relationships and we continue seeing them because there's always something else that can be added or education or a stretch or a strengthening or something to make their bodies feel as good as they can feel. Is your services, are they generally well-received by employees? Are they happy to, to learn these things or do they see it as just, uh, yeah, it's one more intrusion, one more thing you got to think about? I think you're hit the nail on the head of what the CEO level and C-suite level assumes would happen, which is, I don't know, these guys aren't going to like that. And I say, you know what? Give us a try. We're engaging. We're super passionate about what we do. And there is a no BS factor with people that do labor type jobs. They know if you're there for them or if you're just like, you know, if you're just something that whatever flavor of the month. And so the employees get it quickly because if we show up when it's snowing with a hard hat at 6 a.m. to help them stretch, it's already some legitimacy. If we're talking to them and relating to them at their level, they buy in. And I think the surprising thing that the companies don't realize is how well received it is. The data and the stats go with that, right? But it's really looked at as a benefit. I mean, they really feel, wow, our employer really cares about us because if my back hurts because I was playing softball or I was pulling my boat out of the lake this weekend, I can still see the, the company physical therapist because they care enough about me. So it's, it really has helped shift a culture, especially in a tight labor shortage. It's helped shift cultures from it's just, oh, whatever, we got to stretch today to a very engaging, proactive and positive relationship. Yeah, I've said it a lot on the podcast, and this is a great place to kind of wrap that that user experience is the new differentiator. And user experience isn't just CEO or CFO. They're they're balance sheet focused. But in terms of how you go through your day, is management interested in making my life better on the job, off the job, et cetera, is huge. And and you're contributing that. I hope you'll come back and we'll talk some more as, as time warrants. Melissa Gill, owner and CEO of Onsite Solutions. Melissa, thanks for sharing your expertise with our audience. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.